I always recommend try things first and then it's always easier to delegate it just because in your mind you understand you you could see through a different lens. Hey, it's JP. Hi, it's Excel. And you're listening to Terry Shower on the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. I have with me Bob Lachance today who um, is in the States. He's in Connecticut from what he tells me, um, but he has some connection to Montreal. He's, uh, you know, had family who was playing hockey up here. But the American market is not the subject of our conversation today. We're here to talk about virtual assistants. And as we were saying off camera, I'm a real convert to using virtual assistants. I think pretty much any time-saving life habit book these days has a section on virtual assistants and Bob is going to tell us all about that today. Awesome. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Terry. Really appreciate that. So uh, you let me know how you want to get rocking and roll and we'll do it. Okay. So why don't you just start by telling me like very quickly a bit about, you know, your real estate business and then how you got into the world of, of virtual assistants. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I started investing back in 2004. Prior to that, I played professional hockey for eight years, four years here in the United States, four years in Europe. Like I said, my brother, Scott, played for the Montreal Canadiens, which is pretty cool. My oldest brother, Mark, was into real estate up there, up in the uh, Montreal area. I thought they just sold a uh, a lot in Morin Heights up there. So, uh, so I have ties, obviously, more ties to uh, a lot of different markets, but one of them was, was the Canadian market. And um, so I started investing here in the United States in 2004 when I retired, and then um I started working, um, you know, on rehabbing, wholesaling. Uh, down here, there was a lot of big debt um, in over-leveraged properties back in, you know, 04 to, I mean, we knew that, 2000, 2010, 11, 12. So I was doing a lot of short sales. I also got in the real estate education uh, spe- sector of the business. Uh, I started, I don't know if you guys ever heard Fortune Builders up there, but before before COVID hit, Fortune Builders was running a bunch of ads. Um, so I was running their back another coaching program. So I helped create that company from ground up. Uh, my main job, my main role was to build the coaching program, you know, one coach at a time. Every time there's more sales, you have to add in a coach. Uh, I know Terry, you do a lot of coaching. Um, so it's it's scaling that business. So I helped scale that from zero to, I think at the max, they're about $350 million company. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to, you know, help with that and that team grow. But through the time I had started this virtual assistant company is when we were working with all these students, there was a common theme. Majority of the students, just like your students, either work part-time or full-time and really love real estate. They want to get into real estate. So I was racking my brain the whole time. Like, is there a service? Is there a product out there that would actually get people's people's time time back um, and help them, you know, reach whatever dream that they have is jumping into real estate would be one of them, right? So 2013, I got introduced to what a virtual assistant was. Um, obviously, now through COVID, everyone's more aware of what work from home is and virtual assistants and just that tagline. But um, so I hired my first one in 2013, um, and then a light bulb went on in 2014. I said, you know what? Since I helped start this coaching program, why don't I take education and what I created here and put that into the virtual assistant world? All my VAs are out of out of the Philippines, so I had to figure out how to do that. And um, so I built the team over there in the Philippines, put that whole training platform together and then started selling over here and realized after two years, it was a big need for us, um, no matter if it was in Canada or United States. Um, you and I were talking about this and you know, I have a podcast just like you and we use our virtual assistants actually to 
you know, and our marketing individuals to um, help create it, promote it, put it out there and throw it out to the world. So um, I also have a real estate investment company here in the United States. Um, that's on top of my virtual assistant company. Long and short. I think that was short enough, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm gonna, we're going to get in there and unpack it now. So um, for people who maybe aren't so familiar with this, um, you know, I think uh, I got introduced to the world of virtual assistant assistanting by reading um, Tim Ferriss' Four Hour Work Week, and um, the like. The lights really went on for me because I was already kind of a you know I had my ears open after reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, which is that you know why if if your hourly rate is fifty bucks an hour, you should be subcontracting absolutely everything you can get done for less money. Um, and now, like I'm sure you know, in the states, you guys have the same problem as we do, which is that cheap labor is getting more and more expensive. And especially when you need certain skills that are our specific skills. And so it's a challenge to be able to kind of build whatever project you're trying to do. And now because we are able to do everything sort of remotely, it it, it mm -hmm. really opens the whole world and like all the world's labor markets to um, whatever business you want to build. But so like, maybe you can just sort of take me through like, what what did you get your first virtual assistant for and then how did that turn into all of a sudden now you're recruiting people in the philippines yeah so i got my first virtual assistant and I, I was looking to build a buyer's list i was doing some rehabs at the time so i wanted to build a buyer's list i was going to get properties under contract i wanted to know who i was going to sell it to so the first uh, task was building a buyer's list second task was building my contractor list so they build contractors because that is you know many of you know individuals that if they've ever done a a rehab a lot of times, you know, you'll work with one contractor for three jobs and they're fantastic and all of a sudden they fall off. So you're like, where did they go? What happened? Just part of the industry, part of the, part of the game. Um, so I'd add, you know, electricians, plumbers, framers. So we'd always keep adding to that list to make sure that, hey, if this person fell off or we would add more contractors in the bid on jobs to make sure, you know, the cost stay pretty reasonable. So those were the first two tasks that I had added them on to you know, outreach, whether it was either you guys have, uh, is it Kijiji up there? Was uh, yeah, we did, we use Facebook marketplace more now, but, um, yeah, we did. Kijiji was big a few years ago. Yeah. And Craigslist was big here too, but we yeah. never, yeah, now it's not as big, but Facebook marketplace, same thing. So I was using our virtual assistants to actually promote on that, look for properties, look for, you know, look for a bunch of different stuff. So they were really farming for either work or individuals to work with. So that's how I first got started with it. And then um, I started testing it more on the, yes. Can I just stop you for a second? Because I don't want to move on too fast. Because like already this sounds to me interesting, but it sounds to me complicated. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to coach someone in the Philippines or wherever who has the language skills I need. Obviously, I'm thinking also in, in, you know, in Quebec, we would need people who have more French skills. So that then puts you into, into different markets, which is fine. Like there's, you know, Morocco and various countries in, in Africa that could that could work. But so how do I coach someone to do something like this? Because I've also, you know, I've worked with virtual assistants. I know that like often they come to me with the specific skills they need to do whatever job. So like if I have someone who needs to edit, like they already know how to video edit. I have someone who, um, you know, manages my social media accounts. They already manage other social media accounts. And so like the people I've hired had those skills. But this sounds very specific. Like if you want them prospecting for like specific contractors, that's something specific. You want them outreaching for buying, which that's very specific. So how did you recruit someone and then teach them how to do this? Yeah, so it's very simple. And think back to if you hire someone to bring someone into your office. It's really the same concept. What we do, what I what I do, 
is I'll do like a 10 minute video because, you know, we, we look at everything and you look at your students. I, I like to say it's an 80, 20 rule where 80% of all the businesses do the same tasks. And then it's the 20% that makes you, Terry, separate yourselves from the competitors. So what I do is I take that 20% and I chunk them up into 10 minute videos. So those videos then act as the training platform. So if you're going to have a certain database that you use, like Facebook Marketplace, you're going to want to market on Facebook Marketplace the way you want to, right? So it's very simple just to do a very easy video to walk through, click here, click here, click here, and end you know, the steps that you're going to take. So that's what I do. And the, the clients that we have, um, it's been a very, very, uh, that's one of the things for them. Um, it's been easy to follow and a, kind of a good script for them. Okay. And so like, just walk me through like really the nuts and bolts of this. So like, I want to, you know, either prospect properties that are for sale, or I want to find people who are interested in, in picking up a rehab that I've done or, or whatever it is. So how does that work on the ground? So yes, I get the 10 minute video that I'm like, you know, coaching uh, a person on, okay, this is how I want you to communicate with people. This is where you need to look for ads. Um, and then that just kind of puts itself together. And then they pass the conversation off to you or how does that work? Yeah. So what I do is I have, I always like call them setter closer model. So what they'll do, they'll act as the setters. So they'll do the outreach to the individual that may be interested in selling. I'll give them a buy box of what I want to buy that property for or a range. And then they'll talk to them, go back and forth, communicate, and then they'll give me a range. And then that's when they pass it off to me because it's going to be my job at that point. Um, to negotiate or, you know, look for the best deal possible for myself. So just like you, we do, you know, I use my virtual assistants a lot in that background or that starting role. And then it's passed off to me and my team here to do the closing. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 No, it, it definitely does. And if I think of also, um, maybe not so much in my real estate business, but more in, uh, like, let's say marketing, like our, co you know, marketing or coaching program, or like I wrote a book not long ago. And like when I did outreach for the book, like, I also actually had like an automated um, messaging thing that went out, but I could very easily have yep. used a virtual, a virtual assistant to like initiate those conversations, be it like on LinkedIn or, or Facebook or like whatever else. Yeah, we have, uh, it's actually funny, one of our clients is a, is a big book publisher. So they do the lead generation research, appointment setting, CRM management, things like that. So it's pretty interesting that you just said that. Okay. So then let's move, um, you know, let's go back to like what we wanted to tell me before, which is then you see you hire your first virtual assistant, you see the impact of this hammer in your own business. And now what happens next? Now I had to, I had to build a, the training platform. So I already helped build this training platform already for real estate investors here in the United States or brokers agents, right? So that platform was already built on the education side. But then how do you translate that and put it into the tasks needed uh, to help investors on the ground be successful. So I had to create uh, the outline of a training program and one of them was building buyers lists, some sort of lead generation, whether it was, you know, scraping data online, because I know every every country and every state here in the or every state here in the United States and, you know, country, uh, US and, and Canada do things a little bit different. So what we did is identify the exact places that you could scrape, let's say Zillow, right? So Zillow here is obviously big here in the United States. So create a couple of Zillow systems, different types of systems where it was just very easy to plug and play for those virtual assistants to scrape those leads, pick up the phone, call them because they would get, because all their information was on Zillow. 
So they pick up the phone following the script. And then as soon as they're warm and they're within our range that we were looking to buy in, then they would pass it off. Wow. I can, you know what, as you're talking, I could just like see the value of this um, for people who are prospecting, right? Like here, one of the common uh, strategies that people use is they will like prospect canvas, like with mailing, direct mailing, like a specific area, right? Like they want to canvas all the six plexes in like a certain borough of Montreal or like in a submarket. And so then the popular thing they do is like either you can buy a list or you can scrape the data from, um, that's just like a whole foncier, which is like the, I guess the registry, like the land registry. So you can scrape those names. Sometimes they're companies, then you have to find the mailing address. Can you get their phone data? Um, but if you, you know, to me that I see the immediate value of like, if you have someone that you can pay on, you know, X number of uh, leverage um, the currency there and, and, and get someone doing that for you full time, um, you can really, I could see how you could really leapfrog. Yeah. And you, and you guys have a, a huge advantage. I know this sounds weird, but here in the United States, there's list providers everywhere. So everyone's data is out there. You have certain rules and regulations that you can and can't do. So you have to work hard for your list. The reason why I love that is because whoever in your market wants to set up those systems could take over a big part of market share because they'll be able to find you know that, that LLC or that company, get them skip trace, find their data, and then reach out to them. So you, I think you guys um, are sitting on, in my opinion, a gold mine over there that people that want to set up the right systems and processes. Enjoying the episode so far? Have you really been listening to the episode or has your monkey mind been taking you off in one direction or another? Our mental habits can be our biggest assets or our biggest liabilities as we pursue certain goals. For me, the biggest performance gains have always come from training my mind. In my book, Mindful Landlord, I talk about how you can train your mind and how you can apply some of these strategies to your journey in the real estate field. The book is available on Amazon and also on its website, mindfullandlord.com. Now I'll stop evangelizing for the power of mental training and let you get back to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, you know, I talked to people, I was actually having at our well, like most recent investor event, I was talking to a guy who he actually did just that, right? Like he, he went through the land registry, like, himself by himself and then like printed out like those cards with people's addresses and like mailed them and i'm just thinking like this is like a guide he's you know whatever he's my age he's got to be like 40 and he's spending because he does it full time right like he's like oh just you know me and my printer right (laughs) so like okay i'm imagining like myself sitting there like doing the data entry pulling the address from here dropping it there printing the stuff out like it's it's like uh really old school (laughs) it is well you think about this how you could set that system out is if you hire someone, let's say it's a, a high school kid that wants to make some extra money, you teach him how to do that front end. Then he could actually upload everything, scan everything, and send it over to your virtual assistant, and they could do exactly what you just said. So the VA could do all of that and then and then get that lead over to you. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, okay, so then um, let's say I, I want to do this. Let's say I'm sold on it. I want to yeah. set it up tomorrow. What do you recommend I do? I mean, obviously, I can call Bob. And then what does Bob do? Or if I want to recruit this person myself and train them, like maybe you can walk me through those two uh, directions. Absolutely. Yeah. So we set up very simple. So we have a work from home, um, old work from home platform here. Um, And what we have is I built the team over there in the Philippines. We have a training and recruit or we have a recruiting and sourcing team that is all over the Philippines, we do a lot of marketing. So we get the best of the best applications that come in. They pre-screen every single one of them. 
whoever qualifies will then go to the next stage, which is training. So we have a month training. So we take care of that as a company. So we train them on a month of different types of tasks. They go through our training team and they have a test at the end. A lot of them actually fail, but you may say, well, that's not good, but it's very good because what we do is we take care of that front end of the screening process. So for anyone who's ever hired, um, hiring is very difficult around the world and it's a pain in the butt up the, at the beginning, right? Trying to source, trying to recruit, trying to look through resumes, scrub everyone to finally then interview them and then train them. And then once you find out they're not a good fit, you're like, oh, I just wasted you know, months and months and months of time. Then you got to rinse and repeat. We take care of all of that front end to where now we just put you on interviews with three virtual assistants that fit exactly what you're looking for. We do predictive indexing. Um, so if you look at that and know that, they different types of assessments that we do. So then we have a very high like, uh, likelihood of put, matching that personality to the tasks that you need. So, and that's a long and short of how that's done. So we take care of a lot of that front end pain stuff. Okay. And what kind of an hourly rate is one looking at by hiring someone from the Philippines? Yeah, we do a standard $10.60 an hour. Um, they stay with us. We take care of all of their health insurance. So we do a lot of stuff behind the scenes as a company uh, to make sure. And, you know, we have the biggest stick rate um, pretty much in, in the United States in our industry because of the benefits that we offer them and, you know, the, the culture that we built inside. Okay. And um, let me ask you this, just because, you know, language is an issue up here. Um, a lot of our, well, all the most communication realistically with uh, landowners, property owners here is going to be in French. You might get, yeah. I don't know, 5% of communication that's in English. Um, yeah. Land registry, a lot of names, but like everything else is in French. Um, is the Philippines an appropriate place to work with or would one have to look at more Francophone countries? Yeah, so they'd probably look for more, um, like you said, on the side of the French-speaking countries. For for us, they do all. So English is is one of the primary languages in the Philippines which is obviously a positive thing for individuals that speak English. Um, so that's that's what I'd recommend. Well, look for a company, like I said, you know, the same processes, systems like that, they'll take care of all that headache off of your plate before you decide who you're going to work with and what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And so um, basically then afterwards, payment goes through you guys or do you take an upfront for... Um... Yeah, so we, we take care of all the HR. So we do all of the HR. So we take all the payments, we run all the payments through. We have everything set up and they're their platform with a with a huge local bank in the Philippines. So then payment comes to us, we send money over and it gets dispersed. So because we're at over a thousand virtual assistants right now. So everything has to be systemized. It can't be it can't be manual because uh, as you know in business that would be very difficult. Yeah. Okay. Well it's that's really, really very interesting. But do you guys take an upfront fee or it's just that one continues working with your agency? So we they continue to work with our agency. So it's uh, yeah. So we have part time, full time, um, and it's we don't hold anyone into a long term contract. I'm not a believer of long term contracts because, for me personally, if if we as a company are not doing the service, then I don't, I don't think we should hold you. We're not a, a uh, we're not a cell phone carrier. You know, that lets it hold you up into a you know a year, or however long contract. I don't, I just don't think that's right for a service provider to do it. But again, that's just that's just me. Okay. Okay, good to know. So now we're, walk me through the other route. So, you know, very transparently, when I was looking at, um, you know, getting this podcast produced in a way that's professional, yep. um, I had the choice to go, you know, with an agency who was charging, I don't know what they were charging, but it was like, I don't know, honestly, 300 
US dollars per episode and like trying to put something together kind of on a shoestring initially, like I didn't have that kind of money to be throwing per episode, right? And and even less in US dollars. So what I did is I went to Upwork and I went very specifically. And then you can actually, it's actually interesting because recruit via country, like this is an interest, an English podcast. So whoever does like my social media and show notes and editing is Anglophone because they have to understand the English. But then the video editors are like, none of them are in the Philippines. So our guys actually right. in Benin, shout out to Thierry. I know you're going to be uh, editing this, <laughs> but uh, you know, the, then the video editors are in either, you know, Ukraine or, or somewhere else. Yep. Um, and uh, so, so, but there was also, you know, I also had a, a, some false starts. You know, we tried to hire somebody who was going to do the coordination and that really fell very flat yep. and I ended up giving it to my local virtual assistant who's actually in, in Bédurfé, which is like a suburb of Montreal. And uh, so she does all the coordination and then fits like those little moving pieces together. But like for somebody who wants to try to their hand at their own recruiting, do you have any any tips and recommendations? Yeah, I would. And, and this is important, I think, for anything. Um, make sure you know, we just call it a job description, but basically make sure you know exactly what tasks you want done. It's going to be very easy for you to find the perfect person for that side of it. I made that mistake at the beginning where I was like, I know I need help, but you know, I wasn't very clear on what that was. Like you said, even if you're on a shoestring budget, if you know the steps to take behind the scenes to produce a podcast, then what I would do is write write out all of those steps so then you can hand it off to someone so they're going to have the best success for you. I made that mistake at the beginning, um, so I just would never want someone making that mistake. Like you said, there are areas to find um, whatever language speaking individual you want. There are sites like that that could definitely do that. Yeah. And uh, I think so. I think that's a really good point. I think being but crystal clear about your your job description, I think what I found also was useful in, in recruiting people was to make sure that I was recruiting people exactly for the task that I needed. And on the podcast team, it seems ridiculous, but there's like six people on it. But everybody does just one specific little thing. You know, like one person does the social media posts, one person does the editing, one person does the show notes, one person does the audio snippets. Yeah. And the reason why that happens is because these people will be specialized in very specific things. And if you try to get one person to do everything, the quality of it will just not be that good. But the more you mm -hmm. parcel it out and then you almost kind of when you have like a project like this, you almost need like a project manager. And like that can be you. In my case, it's my, you know, my Canadian virtual mm -hmm. assistant. But you need someone like sort of orchestrating the whole thing. Yeah. And, and it, just to your point, and, I, and this is the, a, lot, a big visual that a lot of people could look at. It's saying if you're going to hire somebody, you don't want them to do bookkeeping and prospecting because that's two, that's two opposite ends. I get that question a lot. It's kind of funny, Terry, you say that. Um, I get that question a lot. Well, can they do all of these things? And it's like, all right, if you hire someone in-house, do you think they could do all of those things? The answer is no. They can't. I mean, I can't do them all. You you can't. You may be able to do them all. I don't know, but I definitely can't do them all either. So the point that that's a great point by you. Yeah. No, and I think you're absolutely right. And I even look at you know. So like I have a you know I have a property management business, and you know at, as we were growing, like we had this specific staffing problem when like I had enough work volume for one full time employee, and I did exactly what you said. I hired someone who I wanted them to do my bookkeeping. I wanted them to do my admin. I wanted them to do my door opening and like dealing yeah. with rentals. And like, it was just like, you're laughing because you can imagine what a mess that was. It was like yeah. a total mess until I realized like, look, your bookkeeper is someone who wants to sit in front of their computer and like fiddle with the mouse and numbers all day. Don't send that person yeah. outside to open doors and do sales because it's just not going to work. And like, 
don't send your handyman to open doors for prospective tenants because they're not going to be able to have like a proper sales language with them and like go through the smooth process you need to do to, to like, you know, do leasing in, in kind of a streamlined way. And so that was with like our, our local employees, but like I ended up having three or four part-time people once I realized that trying to get one full-time employee, just like, it doesn't make sense from the job description point of view. And, and, you know, that's, what's great about virtual assistants is that you can hire these people who are highly specialized in the area that you contract them out to do, and they will do it really well. You don't need to hire someone full-time. That is true, especially especially on the property management side, right? Like you said, you're not going to have your maintenance man going in to work on lease renewals, work on collections, deposits, monthly dues, right? Um, move out tasks, executive assistant tasks, et cetera, right? Social media marketing, you're not going to have your maintenance man do that. Or yeah, I'm, just, I'm just laughing because like, I remember when I tried to actually make that happen and how ridiculous in retrospect. <laughs> um, so... So yeah, let me just uh, you know throw this um, throw this back because like we've talked a lot about you know the, the maybe the real estate streamlining process, so like prospecting, buyers lists, that kind of thing. What other kind of stuff do people use virtual assistants for? Just that we can like expand our audience's mind yeah. a little bit to the power of this. Yeah, so we have like I said, we have a lot of uh, property managers that use our service, right? They do, um, like I said, social media marketing. They do processing of tenant applications. They'll do background checks, scheduling of showings, um, completing applications, agreements, collections. Um, they'll do maintenance calls. They'll do. Um, I right, will go lead generation. Um, like I said, we have wholesalers, rehabbers, brokers, agents that use our service. We also have a couple lawyers that use our service, transaction coordinating, um, whatever their database is, database management, database management, email marketing, executive system tasks, contact management. We do cold calling here in the United States, you know, text messaging, a lot of different prospecting. Uh, they work with agents um, closing the deals, right? Because there's a lot of paperwork and stuff behind the scenes and a lot of stuff now. On the agent side, you have to proof contracts and make sure all the names are correct and all the addresses are correct behind the scenes. So um, there's a lot of work there that that's done as well. Yeah, absolutely. I can see. So I do actually have my broker's license and um, I have an, an assistant, like an actual real physical assistant, Jessica, if you're watching this. <laughs> um, and that's what she does for me. She puts together, um, you know, my files, my sales files when they're done, sends them to the brokerage, make sure that stuff gets paid. So really like guys if you're listening to this you know like whatever it is that you're doing admin wise something that's repetitive that takes up a lot of your time and that can be subcontracted out for less money the way to grow your business is with delegation and the power of virtual assistanting for delegation like it's really something to uh to consider and i agree with you just to go back to that you could get a virtual assistant for any to any language that you want like you said right uh, and I think that's important for everybody to know. And, you know, what I would do is I'd go through the process. Try to find your own by yourself. So so you understand the back end process, just like you did, Terry, right? And then there's obviously agencies like myself um, that could help you out as well. But I always recommend try things first and then it's always easier to delegate it. Just because in your mind you understand, you you could see through a different lens. I, that may be cross grain of what people say on your show. I don't know, <laughs> Terry, but... I think that's, you know, for me personally, that's how I've always done it. And um, yeah, then there's nothing wrong with, with either one of those. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so some websites for that. If uh, I recruited my podcast team through Fiverr uh, and uh, Upwork, those were the two sites that I used. Those are pretty yeah. good. 
But, you know, whatever sort of domain you're looking at, you can find sites where you can you can uh, recruit people in like in different languages as well. So, Bob, thank you for joining me today. It's been uh, interesting to hear that someone's actually built like a full on business out of this. I was like aware that that exists, but I never actually spoke to anyone. Sure. Who's in it. <laughs> I think it's a great, a great idea. Um, how should people reach out to you if they want to learn more? Yeah, if anyone has any questions, you can check out our, our website. It's revaglobal.com. If you want any ideas, you could click on our service button and, you know, there's a bunch of information for it. We do a lot of articles. Uh, we're on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if you have any questions, just send me an email at bob at revaglobal, revaglobal.com. Um, our team members too can help you just uh, if you want to set up a strategy session as well. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much, Bob. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Terry. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.